Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. And welcome Simon as he comes to bring the word for today. Covenant, it's going to be good. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Uh, If you've got your Bibles open, you might like to open to uh, Hebrews 8 uh, and 9 and Ephesians chapter 4. There'll be a couple of other verses in there. It's on the Bible app, version as well. Uh, If you haven't downloaded that and all the scriptures will be there, you can take your own notes, you can highlight, you can follow up later, ask your questions, explore. Um, You know, don't just take my word for it. Uh, Go and do your own research. Go and do your own thinking. Uh, it's important to do that. Um, I, uh, my first mobile phone was the Nokia 3310. Um, it was a, I don't know, so it's probably a bulkier ones than that. I didn't have the great big brick, but the Nokia 3310, I could actually find a decent photo for it. Uh, I actually discovered that they did a remake of the Nokia 3310 in 2017 to update a little bit more, gave it a few nicer curves, uh, put a few extra things on it, a few extra features. Just, you know, if you you want a basic kind of phone, uh, you can get the Nokia 3310. I was pretty excited where you can get the interchangeable cases. I got, uh, I changed from the, what was it, grey to uh, the bright yellow case. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Small things amuse small minds. That was at a time when uh, the games were free. And I say games. Um, remember the old game Snake? Um, some people are still playing Snake. Uh, I'm not. Uh, but I'm playing a much more intelligent set of games now on my phone. Uh, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Candy Crush, exactly right. Um, but the reality is, you know, when the games were free, but they weren't really free, were they? Um, because uh, we signed a contract for those phones, didn't we? Um, maybe something like this. Uh, you know, how many people actually read the terms and conditions and everything they sign? <laughs> Alison Reichenbach, wow. Wow, I don't. How many people understand 20% of what they sign? No, neither do I. But we sign these things. We sign these contracts. We sign these terms and conditions. We sign our paperwork on phones, utilities, loans, accounts, insurance and employment contracts, don't we? And most of us barely read it. Um, So much of our life is actually under contract. We agree to terms and conditions we don't even understand, let alone read. But the reality about that too is because we have this sense of... I don't know if it's a confidence or an awareness or a sense of entitlement or a sense of right that if we don't like it after a short period of time or if it's not meeting our expectations or we're not getting as much enjoyment out of it or it's not uh, doing what we thought it would do or there's a newer, brighter, better update, we can simply get out of that contract. We can... uh, change over, we can swap over, we can change banks, we can change jobs, we can change phones. All of this uh, we can do uh, if it doesn't meet our expectations or if we're not satisfied or there's just something more exciting. We're, we're gone, we're done. Even if it might cost us something, particularly financially, we're prepared to pay the cost to move on, uh, to change the contract. Now, why all of that? Because I wanted to give us a concept today that the church isn't under contract. 
you and I are not under contract. There's a lot of things that we're invited into, but we're not under contract, but we do need a healthy sense of framework uh, to exist and to function in the life and the ministry of the church. The framework that we operate from comes from uh, this basic uh, challenging statement in the Gospel of John, a new command I give you, love one another. So far, so good. And then Jesus says, as I have loved you. This is your example. This is your foundation. This is your uh, baseline. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's not a if you feel like it. It's not a if it suits you. It's not a if there's nothing more exciting to happen. So you must. As I have loved you, so you must. This is a fairly clear command. It's a fairly clear instruction. Um, It's a fairly clear uh, directive about how to behave. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In this action, in this response, in this way of life, this is the way that the world will know that people are following me and having their lives changed by me. This therefore becomes our vision and the values that we have as part of the wider Churches of Christ movement. This is the logo for the wider Churches of Christ movement. We've included the ripples to identify us with the local community and to remind ourselves as we come into Christ, we're going out into the community as well because we want to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus in ways that are present. uh, present, So we're uh, uh, people of peace in our community. We're authentic, involved in meaningful conversations. We're courageous in sharing our story, telling people and inviting people deeper into the story of Christ. And we're generous with all that God has given us to steward to the community. By this, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. So we want to welcome you, whether you're new amongst us, whether you're a regular attender, whether you're exploring the church or faith or what it looks like to be a part of it. We just want to say welcome. If you're watching online, perhaps for the first time, you're looking for some sense of hope, some sense of community and connection. We welcome you, whatever your journey, as Shirley said, wherever you are, whatever is happening for you at the moment, we do welcome you. This is a series called The Ripple Effect at the moment, uh, where we're exploring the language and the pathway that we hope will help us mature in faith. Um, there's, a, there's a language that will help us bear fruit in relationship with God and with one another that can help us grow and mature as followers of Jesus. Some of it helps us administratively. So some of our database, da- database I don't even know what that is, a database that will help us um, know where people are and where they are on the journey and where they're connected and how they're connecting with people. But some of it, we hope, is also language that we can use to encourage one another to take the next step in faith, to consider where we are as part of the community, to consider what it looks like to be moving closer to Jesus, but also to ripple out as he calls us to love one another. And as particularly as we are being refreshed and renewed and reset in our vision. So if you're new to the church or new to faith, you might start off being a part of the community where you simply gather, where you simply come along and check it out, where you simply come and see. As you go deeper, you decide you want to commit a little bit to growth. So you might start reading your Bible a little bit more. You might get connected to a life group. You might say, is there ways that I can serve? 
And today we want to explore what it looks like to be a part of building the church, to be in covenant relationships. not a word we perhaps use very often. Uh, I know some houses have covenants on them. There's agreements on them in terms of what you can do on that block of land. But we, this is, um, we're going to use it in terms of the church. Jared's going to explore uh, what it looks like to be a part of the core, that is to lead. And then we conclude with the idea of being commissioned, so to go out and establish and to build and to serve. Last week, we actually invited you to consider a couple of ways, knowing that throughout this year, what are a couple of ways that you can commit from moving the sh- out of the shallows into a little bit of depth? It's not to say that we stop doing these things, but we want to mature and grow. What's one or two things that we believe the Spirit might be asking us to move into throughout the course of this year? And it might not be that we uh, f- get to, you know, whatever, there's no end, if you like, you know. It's, it's not about a conclusive statement. It's about an invitation to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus and in community. What does it look like for you to grow and commit to your growth and to commit to the growth of the community as we seek to transform our community in the name of Jesus? So as we go deeper in faith, and that's our theme for this year, to go deeper... Uh, And therefore, in community, we want to invite you to consider what covenant relationship looks like. So moving as we move deeper into Christ, what does covenant relationship look like? As God builds his church with and through us, we are are being built as spiritual houses. Ephesians 2, uh, 21, verses 21, In him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And him, in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There is both the individual relationship and the corporate community relationship in this text. Yeah, you can see that. So there's a work that God is doing in a whole building, bringing the whole building. And this is a reflection of people uh, moving and working and gathering and bringing distinct change into a community that was in upheaval. Ephesians, some of the community, highly sexualized community, many gods, many expressions. And the Christian community was trying to work out what does it look like to love one another as Christ has loved us. You are being built. You too are being built. This is, I think that's a singular expression, but then you are being built together. So there's both the individual work and the corporate community work being done. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now let me just uh, draw aside there. Um, If you join an organisation, I don't don't know, if you join Rotary, if you join the Lions Club, if you join Apex Club, if you join, uh, I don't know, the local city band, if you join a football netball club, if you join a cricket club, uh, if you join any organisation, more often than not, there is a, uh, you, you pay some fees, yeah? You pay a subscription fees. In fact, you go even, um, now if you talk about the phone systems, remember when you just get the phone, you had one game and that kind of come inclusive? Now you get a phone and then you get apps now that you can 
uh, get the free version and then just be annoyed with all the ads that are on the free version. Or you can download and buy the monthly subscription version, so every month you've got to subscribe to that to keep using that app, or you get uh, a yearly or a six-monthly subscription. So uh, TV services, you know when they do the end-of-the-year financial review, how do you save money? You give up subscription services on your TV. How horrifying. Some people have two, to, you know, there's Stan and there's BBC TV and there's Netflix and there's uh, Disney TV, there's Apple TV. I mean, you can watch just so many ranges of TV that you have to pay for now. Remember when it just used to be Fox. But anyway, so any organisation you join, you essentially have to pay. You don't pay, you're not a member. You don't pay, you don't get a say. We know that, don't we? Um, and you might be familiar with other words, uh, like uh, as there might be member, and particularly in church history, uh, there might be words like membership, partnership, or associate. They're some of the words in the language that I've heard around church. You might have other words that you've heard around the church. Historically, and this kind of happened as I was growing up in Churches of Christ, Churches of Christ had what we called members. And members were those who declared Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour and then were baptised. As soon as you became baptised, you became a member. You remember that? So those Churches of Christ, um, you know, we got the Bible, we got baptised, we got the handshake of the right hand of fellowship and we were welcomed into membership and we got the Bible as well. Um, what? what? That's how it happened, isn't it? Yep. Um, and then, and then what happened? Churches of Christ became this melting pot of other denominations. Do you remember that? Woo-wee! There were some fun conversations in that time. Well, they're not Churches of Christ. They don't understand. And then we started raising our hands in our services. My goodness. Did that rattle the Churches of Christ movement when the Pentecostal movement started infiltrating us? Um, you're laughing now. It was no laughing matter, let me tell you. So what we did then, we had Christians in fellowship. That is, if you came from other denominations, you may not have yet been fully baptised by immersion, but you've had some kind of faith, and essentially you were wrong. Um, Again, you laugh. I don't think I'm overstating it at all, if you've been around Churches of Christ for any length of time. Um, And I've heard some people say that. But what we've discovered now, um, (laughs) don't distract me, Jared. Um, What we've discovered now is the journey of faith and the need, you know, Church of Christ, I think, has become this beautiful expression of multiple uh, expressions of uh, Christian faith, particularly. And we've wrestled with what does that look like and how do we go about that and how do we welcome people and help people grow and mature as followers of Jesus. I mean, now I think if we did a quick survey, we'd find very few people in this building who kind of planted and established themselves in Church of Christ. There's some, I'm like born and bred Churches of Christ. There's, and I love it. Absolutely love Churches of Christ as a movement. Absolutely love everything Churches of Christ stands for. I love the, um, the heart and the, the welcome. And I, I love the melting pot of expressions and heart that we seek to bring in our community. So we've, we've kind of, not kind of, we have, um, we've changed the language to invite people into covenant relationship. Now, the reality is in a human form, there's no perfect expression. 
Okay, I know this isn't perfect, um, but we hope it helps us go deeper into a deeper relationship. In the Hebrew Bible, uh, that is the Old Testament, the word covenant is used multiple times across multiple expressions for multiple reasons, but it actually means in the Hebrew word to cut, to cut a covenant. It's not just some fancy word, but it's actually something you cut. So, and the, the paper that I read says, uh, and this is a quote, I can't remember where the paper was, uh, two parties, they take a fattened animal, fattened calf essentially, um, the best of the flock or the herd, and they cut it into two pieces. Um, I was, I've been trying to think all week how I could demonstrate this because I didn't feel like images, but I didn't think I'd want to bring a cow and cut it in half either. So... Um, they, and then the two parties, so they'd cut the two pieces, cut the cow into two pieces, and then the two parties would walk between those two pieces, symbolizing their dedication to the covenant or to the agreement. So far, so good, yeah? You can all cope with that. That's all pretty straightforward. Get an animal, cut it in half, walk between it. Pretty nice, pretty symbolic. But essentially, if you're walking through that cutting, now, you ready for it? Hold your breath. If I do not hold to the agreements of this covenant, you can do to me what we did to this animal. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ has come. My goodness. Incidentally, I wouldn't be a priest in Old Testament times because I can't tell which way I'd be cutting animals. So whether you're going facing north or south, or you know, I'd be in all sorts of trouble. Um, and you can read some of that in Jeremiah chapter 34. So covenant, what does it mean to go in covenant? In scripture, it is between God and people. And you can see this from Adam and Eve to Noah to Abraham to, to uh, Joseph, to Jacob, all the way through, right through to Jesus. So get, um, you can see this between kings and countries and tribes. Here's one example. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. So there's an agreement being made. Jonathan, the son of Saul, makes a covenant with David, who was the shepherd boy who killed Goliath uh, and came up and Saul became jealous. But Jonathan could see David was going to become king. Jesus talks about a new covenant being made through him in Luke 22. In the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So symbolizing the blood, uh, the movement of something taking place to welcome us into a deeper agreement. Um, in Hebrews chapter 8, quoting uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, you can read this in Jeremiah 31 and see the um, the Old Testament history, the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one. This is essentially talking about the priests in the temple, uh, Melchizedek, uh, which is confusing. You can go and do your research in Melchizedek as well. Um, and that's about Abraham bringing, no, not Abraham. It is Abraham bringing the offering to Melchizedek. And they're saying Jesus becomes the superior mediator of this agreement. Since the new covenant, the new agreement is established on better promises. 
For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. The days are coming when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. You know what fascinates me in some of this is that whenever Jesus or whenever God talks about uh, the movement of uh, covenant or agreement or new life, they always go back to being led out of Egypt. So pick up this imagery all the time. We are being invited to move and to be led out of slavery and to agree not to live as slaves anymore. This is basically the story of human history. What we'll be slave to. And actually we've been welcomed and led out of slavery into something new. But we often don't hold to it. So, um, and in chapter 9, verse 15 of Hebrews, Christ is the mediator, the one who brings together the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So there's a covenant that's been established. There's a covenant that we've been, uh, in the Old Testament has been uh, set aside and we're not able to keep up with it. We're not able to sustain it. For various reasons. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant and he makes the way for us to enter into a relationship with God. And boy, we love that. We love to sing about it. We love to talk about it. We love to pray about it. You know, we love to all that God has done. We long for that to be known, that we can be in a relationship with God. We want to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We want to feel the, the presence of God. But because of the covenant that we have with Jesus, we are therefore in covenant with one another. And don't we know that gets a little bit messy? Now remember what we're basing all of this on. A new command I give you, love one another. Yeah, 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 yeah. As I have loved you. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's correct. As I have loved you, love one another. We love all the worship. We love all the idea of Jesus being for us and with us. And then at some point it gets to a crunch where we've got to work out what does it mean then for me to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus in a difficult, messy nature of relationships with one another. Because if I'm in a relationship with Jesus and you're in a relationship with Jesus, that means therefore we are in covenant. Now I'm not saying we're all best buddies. And that's not what I'm saying. I know there's people who grade each other up. We all know the theory of that. And that's where we jump to, isn't it? Oh, but yep, and yes, yes and yes. Let's hold that there. But that still doesn't mean that we shouldn't be in covenant with one another. Over the last 20 years, the church, as in the wider big church, the full church, has encouraged ministry in the community. We realise the need to empower and release people into ministry to serve as part of their everyday function as family and as work. 
from what we've done in various expressions throughout the course of church history is we've held the sacred and the secular as poles apart or two repelling magnets that can't kind of get together. And we hold one over the other. Once upon a time, it might have been that the church was the social center, the social structure of the church life. And then we saw that of the world and the community, we saw that shifting. And so we encouraged people um, to be a part of the community. And yet we've, they now have become such competing forces and we've still lost this sense of all of life being sacred. We gather in here, it's a sacred moment. We go to work as followers of Jesus. It's a sacred moment. We raise our children as followers of Jesus. It's a sacred moment. We participate in reading scriptures together and life group and praying together. It's a sacred moment. We're honest and generous with our resources, with our finances. It's a sacred moment. We're honest. It's a sacred moment. We're in covenant with one another. And there is great strength. While we've held things in opposing forces, repelling magnets, there is great strength and witness in a covenant because we understand that we are connected to Christ and then we are called to live out of Christ. And I think there is a need for the church to rediscover our call to one another as part of the body, as well as the call to witness. As we go into Christ, we go out with Christ. As we gather with one another, as the body being built, we go out with one another. We're not a co- See, I think sometimes we treat the church like a collection of prosthetic limbs. I attach what I want when I want and when it suits me. But actually, that's not what we're called to. We are joined together in Christ and by Christ. Paul writes to the Ephesians church, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, someone will come to me at some stage and say, oh, but Simon, we've got so many different churches. Yes, I know. Simon, it'd be so great if we were all part of a one church. Yes, I know. But we'd have to give something up to be a part of that, wouldn't we? And that's where the sticking point comes. So it's actually a beautiful gift that there's so many different denominations in the church because we can go according to maybe our personality, maybe what we feel is feeding us theologically, nourishing our spirits, where we can contribute and serve. Yeah, and there will come a time where there is one church. We're not all driving around on Henry T Model Fords anymore, are we? He had the idea just one car. Just a thought. It's a pretty poor thought, I know. But See, part of, the, part of the power and the passion, the strength of the church was the distinctive way of life, the distinctive way of being, the distinctive way that you lived in community. Someone affronted you. You didn't treat them like your neighbor who didn't know Jesus treated them. You treated them with the love of Jesus. And people are you doing that?
And then we've treated the sacred and the secular. We've held that and then we've wondered why people aren't coming to faith and people can point to stories of Christians who have behaved badly and poorly. Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. Okay, so what's it going to look like now for us to recover something like this? People have been talking about persecution in the church. We don't have to worry about persecution because the church doesn't need to be urged on because we're so apathetic some days. The devil doesn't have to worry about persecution for the Australian church. The job's done. Because I just take on this limb. No, I don't like that. I'm going to take it off. I signed that contract. No, I'm going to take it off. I'm in covenant with Jesus. No, not that. Sorry, that got a bit fiery, didn't it? Sorry about that. And that's me. Like, you know, and I talk, you know, and then I read that. And Paul's sitting here going, I urge you. I urge you. And remember, this is a group of Christians, highly sexualized culture. Sound familiar? Highly um, multi religion culture. Sound familiar? It wasn't about laws and rights. It was about people living faithfully in covenant with Christ and with one another as one body, knowing that there is one faith, one Lord of all, one baptism that calls us into something deeper and richer. See, while stepping into community is easy, you can just show up. Maybe taking the next step might get a bit difficult. And you might commit to growing out further in a heart for Jesus and in community and serving. When we get to covenant, we have some responsibilities as a church. Now, and this is where it gets a bit complicated because, you know, no one likes talking about this stuff. And if we're in covenant, we don't need this. No, we don't. But now we're living a different way in a different world and a different culture. And so we have to think about our legal and safety expectations. Being in covenant is similar to watching our children grow up in faith and making a decision to follow Jesus. We want them to grow up and say, yes, I want to be committed to the life and the body of the church. It is a declaration that we're saying Jesus is our Lord and our Saviour. But in that, I'm participating in the unity, the accountability, the care and the finances of the church. I am mutually responsible for that. And we get to contribute to the decision making. Uh, We get to serve as part of the body. Um, and it's as simple as uh, filling out a response form where we share, you share some of your story. Uh, that goes to the elders who affirm and seek clarification if there are any questions. We don't want to make it burdensome. It's just we need systems. We need frameworks. It's just the reality of the world. We do say you can participate regardless of tradition, regardless of faith heritage, as long as you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. But that being an elder requires that we are baptised by full immersion. Um, so that's, and that's one of our founding values and one that we're not going to compromise on. I'm happy to have, we're happy to have conversations with people as well. You can leave... There's, no, there's nothing that stops, like, we're not, we're not going to cut you in half if you leave. <laughs> That's not how we operate. <laughs> thank goodness. And actually, thank God. <laughs> we can operate under a different covenant now. And there's reasons that we need to leave sometimes. Sometimes it's we're changing jobs, we're changing towns, we're changing cities, our family's moving away, we've got new opportunities. You know, 
We want to celebrate that. We want to affirm that. Sometimes you need to go to a different church because maybe you're not being fed here. Maybe you feel like you can't contribute here. You know, I'd hope that we can have a conversation, but don't just detach the prosthetic limb and walk away. Let's be in conversation because we're in covenant, because we're seeking to love one another, not as Simon has taught you to because that would be miserable, not as your family taught you to because we've got enough trouble through our own families sometimes, but because Jesus taught us to love one another. And it's messy. It's hard. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But as we grow into Christ, maybe we could be a church that transforms our community for the purpose of Christ. And look, the reality is you can just stop. I hope you don't, but you, you, know, there's, you can just stop serving and participating. But it does change the relationship. It does change the relationship. And if you choose to move away and then you've come back, then we need to have the conversation all over again because the relationship has changed. And we want to understand the journey that you're a part of and what it means to grow as part of the body of Christ. And all of this, friends, is just an invitation into a deeper relationship with Jesus. As our team come up and lead us, they're going to lead us in uh, Christ is enough. And yet Christ is enough in that he brings change, he brings healing, he brings renewal. He's the one who saves and restores. But we're not, and because we're not asking for your blood, Jesus has already made the new covenant. And it's because of his new covenant that we can enter into a covenant with him and with one another. We're asking in this that you might be a part of building this with us. We know it's difficult. We know it's awkward. We know there's times where we get hurt and disappointed. We've all experienced that. But if we hold the covenant of Jesus first and foremost, we can continue to grow and build and become a church that transforms our community in the name of Jesus. What's your next step? Maybe you're watching online, you want to just get in touch with us and let us know that you've heard. Maybe you want to make a declaration of following Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've made a declaration. Maybe you've wandered away. You want to get back and say, I need to follow Jesus first and foremost above everything. Perhaps you need to submit to the heart of Jesus. Or perhaps it is committing to covenant and saying, you know what? I need to buy in here somewhere. I need to put some skin in the game. What's your next step as we seek to go deeper in relationship with Jesus?